You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. You're listening to episode 372, and I'm your co-host, Brittany Martin. And I'm your co-host, Brian Mariani. Oh, exciting changes. So welcome back, Brian, and congratulations on becoming a co-host of the show. I wanted to fill in the listeners as to what's going on because there's going to be a lot of really positive changes happening to the podcast. So as we all have been knowing, I have been hosting the 5 by 5 Ruby on Rails podcast for the last three years. And over that time, I've made some incredible friendships, Brian included. And as I've stated on the podcast, it's how I contribute to the community because I don't openly actively contribute to open source. But it's incredibly important that we have content creators out there creating things for the Ruby community. That being said, I often get asked a lot how to start a podcast. And the truth is, I really haven't done it. Since I wasn't hosting the podcast at its inception, I missed the beginnings of the design, the naming, the social media presence, and even orchestrating the sponsorships. And so I was able to make changes to the podcast as I saw fit. You know, as I got suggestions from listeners and guests, I definitely made adjustments along the way including some set questions that I'm always asking my guests. So for that reason, I am striking out on my own, but with a new producing partner. And that's why Brian is here with us today, because Mirror Placement is going to become our producing partner. And Brian is going to become part of a rotation of co-hosts that we're going to be having on the show. And so the new name of the podcast is simply going to be the Ruby on Rails podcast. And you might be wondering why the the? And it's not because it's the only podcast in the Ruby on Rails space. And, you know, shout out to Remote Ruby, The Bike Shed, and Rails with Jason. But honestly, over the years, some listeners didn't understand what 5x5 was. And so they would just drop the 5x5 and say the. And so this kind of pays homage to that. And so the plan is, is that we will just cut over the podcast to this new feed so you won't have to change your subscriptions. And, you know, as I noted, we have this wonderful producing partner. So, Brian, can you fill in the listeners as to who Mirror Replacement is? Yeah, for sure. So Mirror Replacement, for those who don't know, is a recruiting agency that I founded back in 2006, really shortly after Rails was extracted from Basecamp with the help of our parent organization, Atlantis. Mirror was born and we decided to get into the recruiting space. We decided to not do it like typical recruiters do it. We thought, you know, our know-how as engineers would be sort of the, the secret sauce behind doing recruiting the right way, just being able to kind of talk at the technical level with engineers and really on the, for the companies to make sure that they don't get inundated with a lot of spam or resumes that aren't qualified, that sort of thing. So we kind of take like a less is more approach so that companies who are hiring can connect with really talented folks, maybe not as many as they might typically see, but the quality is super high. And then for developers, they just get exactly what they want. We've been so focused on Ruby and JavaScript for 15 years. We have tons of connections and we just love serving that community and really helping them in their careers. That's been the biggest thing for us, just so folks know, is that we don't look at recruiting as a, what can we do for you today? Or how can we get someone a job today? It's not about jobs. It's about careers. And we love to stay in touch with folks, kind of see them happy, whether they find jobs through us or not, and really just be a source of connecting people in the Ruby community on both sides. And it's been a wonderful ride. It just continues to get better with all the relationships we've built. And now we have the opportunity to support you in the podcast that I know so many of the folks I've talked to over the years listen to. It's just, it's really exciting. It is really exciting. And so while I've been the main voice of the show over the last couple of years, 
There are some guests, including Brian, that regularly return to provide updates on interesting work they're doing in the Ruby space. And so for that reason, we're establishing basically a regular cast of co-hosts to drop in on episodes. You're going to be hearing from Brian on a regular cadence. And we are definitely going to open it up so that we can get a lot of listener questions just because recruiting in the Ruby space right now is a very hot topic. And we'll dive more into that in this episode. And all the past episodes from the 5 by 5 Ruby on Rails podcast will also be available in this feed. So if you're also wondering yourself, you know, what other positive changes are going to be coming, because trust me, they're all positive. I have heard you about audio quality, and I am so ready for this question. Over the years, I've learned a lot about equipment, editing, and soundproofing from my tiny closet, which I'm recording from right now. But that being said, it's time to take it to the next level. And we have hired an editor to edit the shows going forward, and I am super stoked about this. Also, we are going to be introducing new designs, thanks to Mirror, that will tie together. You know, it's a perfect example of why I love working with Mirror Placement. We collaborated on this new design that you'll be seeing in your feed. And Brian, would you like to talk about that design? That would be great. We're obviously on to the sort of 2.0 of the podcast, so Mm -hmm. to speak. And my colleague Forrest is very talented when it comes to this. You and I sort of collaborated on some ideas and whatnot. He kind of ran with an original design you had in mind and I think really just beefed it up and, you know, had it reflect sort of where we're at, which is the Ruby logo that everyone's going to see. You know, it's very simplistic, but at the same time, I think it kind of exudes a little bit of uh, confidence. It's just kind of the way that we've always liked to operate. It kind of stands out uh, very different than some of the other logos I think you'll see. A little bit of a new color scheme, which is good. And the dual circles around the Ruby, which we really found to be reflective of the new partnership that we have here in in our job to support you, Brittany, and kind of working together on an ongoing basis, kind of two have become one, so to speak. And you'll have an occasional co-host now as well. We've gone from one to two there. So we wanted all that to be reflected in the new logo, and we're glad that you liked it. Fantastic. So we'll be announcing those co-hosts as they're being selected, but of course, we'll also sprinkle in guest interviews as well, because those were so well received before. Before we dive into the episode, I just want to give my thanks to Mirror Placement, to 5x5, my fellow Ruby podcast, the past hosts of the 5x5 Ruby on Rails podcast. This podcast wouldn't be here without you. And of course, the loyal listeners of this show. So as we make changes, please be vocal. On the new hosting website, there'll be the availability to submit feedback and, you know, request to be a guest yourself. So please use that because the show wouldn't be here without you. Okay. So that being said, Brian, let's get to the co-hosting and let's talk about what's been going on with Mirror. I've heard recently that a lot of clients are looking for Ruby developers. I'm guessing that's true. This is true. Yes, very much. Well, I'm going to predict two things. I'm going to predict most of the listeners out there. Rails engineers would say that their LinkedIn chatter has picked up a lot (laughs) in recent months. And that is no surprise. The demand is for us at an all-time high. So again, 15 years of helping developers find jobs they love in the Ruby community. And we have never had this much demand. So we have metrics that we track every week. And since the beginning of the year, we're on a pace that really we have never even come close to seeing in terms of the number of prospective client calls that we have on a weekly basis. And these folks come to us in a variety of ways. And I kid you not, the last two that I've had, because I always ask, how have you heard of us? Or how'd you get in touch? Or, you know, what brought you to Mirror? The last two have mentioned the podcast specifically. So, you know, just another reason that we're so excited to support this. But I continue to hear that. 
you know, just from developers and others about the podcast. So we're really excited about that. But yeah, the demand has gone through the roof. The supply of engineers is still lower than that demand, but we're having far more client calls and we feel just so fortunate. I mean, people have been really nice and been signing up with us. And a lot of these folks we've known from prior relationships, but probably more net new people that I just haven't met before in the past 15 years. And, you know, they've been signing up as well. The demand is just super high. I think obviously remote work has something to do with that at this point, but yeah, just economy wise in general, it just seems like companies are growing, getting funded and work needs to be done. And a lot of them are doing it in rails, whether it's like a legacy code base that they have and, you know, the company's been around for a while or brand new company they're starting up and still choosing Rails as that platform, which we find very promising for the future. See, that answers a lot of questions that I had because I was curious if you were filling in slots where people have left and gone on to other companies. But I'm actually really excited to hear that you're dealing with new companies as well and they are choosing Rails. So I think some of us heard, you know, Bold Penguin on the Stack Overflow podcast talking about the lack of Ruby developers out there. And, you know, he was posed the question, you know, if you could do it over again, would you have gone with a different stack, one that might be easier to hire for? But I'm actually really pleased to hear that people are still choosing Ruby and Rails, knowing that there might be a shortage of mid to senior developers right now. Yeah, they are. And that is the truth. We're very happy to hear that because we keep a very close eye on it. We've just invested so much time and energy in all the relationships with engineers over the years. You know, if some other language or framework was going to kind of take over or whatnot, we want to kind of get ahead of that. But, and I think like two or three years ago, we were getting a lot of Elixir chatter. That's certainly still out there, but Ruby is going strong, like really strong. Like I said, at both levels, whether it's existing code bases or companies that are kind of net new starting up. Are you getting any requests for Ruby that is not Rails? Because I think the community overall is very curious about that. Obviously, there was some blowback with the, the base camp drama. So I'm curious, is it always hand in hand with Ruby and Rails? For the most part, yes. We do get some clients that they may be Sinatra based, et cetera, and will ask us just for Ruby skills. But by and large, I would say it's definitely going to be over 90% that the two are kind of married peanut butter and jelly, so to speak, <laughs> Ruby and Rails. So yeah, that's what we're seeing. So what's the dynamic like at Mirror whenever you're more client heavy? I imagine then you have to turn around and do a lot more outbound requests to find developers, correct? I'm curious, how do you do that correctly? Because I think as a developer, to your point, we've all gotten really terrible and copy pasted, weird highlights, weird font, you know, messages from <laughs> LinkedIn, emails, you know, there's a way to do it. There's a finesse to it. There, and so I'm curious yeah. if you have any advice on that. The way to do it, in our opinion, has always been the way you'd like to see it be done to you. And that is having that email sent directly to, to one person, you know, not to be part of a spam campaign that went out to a thousand other engineers. I mean, sometimes you get these emails and you're lucky if your first name is in it, it might say, hi, space, comma. <laughs> and, you know, that, some of these recruiters don't even take the time to care for those little details like that, which are super important. So the way to do it in our mind has always been A, with complete transparency and honesty, B, taking time to make sure that, you know, if you're going to get in touch with someone, do it in a way that provides a lot of value and doesn't provide noise because all engineers are getting our noise in their inbox. And because of that, we certainly don't reach out to as many people on a daily or monthly basis as probably most recruiting shops, but I think that's a good thing because every contact that we make is personalized. Every message we send 
we'll either just be kind of generally checking in to see how they're doing. There might be a reason that they asked us to get back in touch, or we have a client that it just seems like an awesome fit for a specific person. So we will send them the full transparent details about that role, literally everything about it, what it pays, everything, just so it's all out there and again, not wasting their time. And we tend to get you know really good response rate because of that. I think because everything is just authentic. We're just kind of doing it naturally the way we'd, again, like to see it be done if we were on the receiving end of that email. But to your point, we've needed more help. We've hired on some more folks. Jonathan Suhu, one of my uh, partners in the business, people out there may have received emails from him, I'm sure. He is unbelievable. He's really like just a first class guy and really gets it when it comes to contacting folks in a meaningful way, in an authentic way. He just has the same sort of mindset I've always had in terms of getting in touch with people for the right reasons in a meaningful way. And he's just an all-star at it. So between he and I and some others, we hope the message is getting out there in a way that people appreciate. I love that. So on our front, we are hiring several roles. I know that a big topic also in our community is we have no lack of junior developers though. We understand that we're not going to get mid to senior level developers unless we hire juniors. But as companies are coming out of the pandemic, it seems like there's a lot of pressure to hire mid and senior. For my part, we need to hire mid and seniors, but I also want to create a space for junior developers at Texas. And so about a year ago, and we've had Tay on the show, we hired a pair of one front end and one back end developer, and that worked out really well for us. And so we decided to do it again. So I'm currently in process of hiring a pair But what ended up working out for us budget-wise is to be able to actually hire two front-end on the junior front. So we're going to have a cohort starting of three junior developers. And so I wanted to talk out that process of, you know, how it is to interview for junior developers, because this is actually my first experience doing that. We decided that we wanted to reach out to some boot camps that we knew taught our stack which is helpful because we are Ruby on Rails on the back end. We're React on the front, which I think is pretty standard in our community. And so I reached out to a couple boot camps. And then, of course, we also posted the roles as well. And so I start off by having these conversations with these junior developers just to understand their ambitions. And to me and Brian, I'm curious if you agree with this. I'm really curious as to what they learned from their past career, because a lot of these boot camp graduates have had a past career and for some of them, it really is meaningful in terms what they can do as a developer. Absolutely. And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with the word ambition. That is like 100% what all of my clients screen for. We definitely get more requests on the mid and senior level. But to turn the tables, if I were in your position and taking on a cohort and interviewing for it, that's 100% yeah, how I would do it. You know, kind of diving into that back experience. We've had more success as well. And I guess this could speak to the demand. We have seen more bootcamp success, which is great. I'd love to see that. I just felt like that was tough at first, but it has really kind of come the other way. And we've just seen more and more bootcamp graduates be able to be successful and find new jobs and just kind of watch their careers flourish. But the ones I've talked to, it all kind of definitely gets back to that ambition and just their willingness to learn and get up to speed. You do have to find the right environment, of course, and and I'd be curious to kind of hear what that looks like where you are, but just the ability to kind of provide that mentorship to them, allow them to ask the questions they need to ask, be collaborative, that sort of thing, especially in a remote environment generally. So I'd be curious what that looks like 
for you guys. But yeah, ambition for sure. You're very wise, I think, to go that route. That's what I would look for as number one quality. This episode of the Ruby on Rails podcast is brought to you by Scout APM. Scout APM is leading edge application performance monitoring designed to help Rails developers quickly find and fix performance issues without having to deal with the headache or overhead of enterprise platform feature bloat. With a developer-centric UI and tracing logic that ties bottlenecks to source code, you can quickly pinpoint and resolve performance issues like N plus one queries, slow database queries, memory bloat, and more. Scout's real-time alerting and weekly digest emails let you rest easy knowing that Scout's on watch and resolving performance issues before your customers ever see them. Scout has also launched its new error monitoring feature add-on for Ruby applications. Now you can connect your error reporting and application monitoring data on one platform. See for yourself why developers worldwide call Scout their best friend and try their error monitoring and APM free for 14 days, no credit card required. And as an added bonus for Ruby on Rails listeners, Scout will donate $5 to the open source project of your choice when you deploy. Learn more at scoutapm.com slash Ruby on Rails. Thanks as always to Scout for their continued support. Well, I have to confess, Brian, that I have the word ambition tattooed onto my arm. So I had a cheat sheet. <laughs> oh, look at that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but my CEO actually said to me, you know, Brittany, when you're doing these interviews, like how can you bottle ambition? Like what questions can you ask in order to find that ambition? One of the questions that I do ask is, you know, I ask them, you know, since you've graduated your boot camp, how have you continued to learn? You've lost the structured learning. How have you gotten yourself involved in the community? And I'm looking for people who listen to podcasts, who subscribe to newsletters, who might open issues on open source projects. Prove to me that you really love doing this and that this is what you want to dedicate your career to. So that's one thing. The other thing that we've introduced into our recruiting process is actually a personality test. And so we've had that for the last couple of weeks and all of our junior developer candidates who get to a certain round are taking this personality test, which is actually proven to be pretty helpful. I'm curious, have you done anything around personality tests and recruiting? I'm smiling on this end because we have not. However, this is a trend. <laughs> I'm hearing it more and more with my clients. One client I've had for 11 years now, it has never been a part of their process, but in the past year, it has been added. And they're not alone. There's another long-term client that I have, a consultancy out in San Francisco. They have added it. It used to be a two-part process, but they've added the personality test. Just talked to another client. I'm hoping they do sign up. It seemed like a cool company. Last Thursday, they have one part of the process. I've been hearing this more and more. So it's just kind of funny to hear you say that as well. So yeah, it's probably a good thing. Yeah, it's great from two aspects. So Some of the team members on my team, including myself, have taken the personality test, which I think is important to do. You know, you need to understand how you work and how some of your key teammates work. And then when we have these junior developers take these personality tests, I can then take my results, compare it to theirs. And in some cases, I'm looking for some similarities. So that way I know that they're going to integrate well into our engineering culture. But then also, I'm also looking for somebody to push me on things that I'm weak on or that the overall team is weak on. And so that's helpful. And it's helpful to be able to know, hey, you know, this candidate has a similar personality profile to a senior developer that I have that I respect and really value on the team. And I feel confident that I can grow this person into that role because 
we have a small engineering team and my goal is I want to hire juniors and I want them to get promoted. That is my overall goal because then I want them to look fondly back at their time at Texas. Hopefully they're there for a while, but I want them to look back on it and be proud of like the work that they've done there. Yeah, absolutely. That makes a ton of sense. And yeah, like I said, we've seen more of it on our end too. So we'll have to see if it continues, but good thoughts there. And then lastly, for the junior developers, I don't believe in whiteboarding junior developers. I mean, to be honest, I don't enjoy whiteboarding myself. I know that it's a necessary thing to prove that you know how to code. I know a lot of companies really like it, but with the junior developers, I'm not a fan. I think it's too stressful and I just don't think it's a good idea to see a good representation of their work. So instead, I have them bring a project that they're proud of, that they were the sole contributor on, or at least the majority contributor on, and to be able to present that to some senior developers so that they can have some questions asked. And then again, have that opportunity to show their ambition and say, hey, if I had more time, this is how I would extend this project. Because I think that's more similar to what they would be doing in our code base as opposed to sitting there with no internet access and having to code off the top of their head. So have you seen any patterns around whiteboarding in general? Yeah, it is fading away. Thank God. (laughs) It was pretty popular, obviously. And I think obviously the Googles and whatnot still is, but at least with our clients, and that number is kind of at an all-time high, I don't think I have any clients that partake in that. Almost everyone does the pairing session. Like way back when I remember recruiting for Pivotal Labs before all the acquisitions they went through and whatnot. And that was how they do it. I think it's how they still do it. But that pairing session just wasn't as popular and has come full circle. It is almost the only way that all of my clients interview now, you know, from a technical perspective. And a lot of technical conversation too. I think there's been a lot more of that as well. So not even hands-on keyboard, just kind of vibing on different, like you said, projects that you've built, just kind of talking through something that you've done that you're proud of, you know, how you go about solving a problem, not on a whiteboard, just kind of talking through things. And that has also taken off. One thing that has gone away a little bit, I would say, if I had to pick another trend, I would say a high percentage, probably at least 70% of my clients would have like a take-home exercise as almost like a first baseline, like technical challenge to do. That has dropped a little. I would say maybe half my clients now do that, but they've kind of moved in favor of doing more pairing and just being a little more sensitive to people's time, knowing that you know they might not have two, three, five hours to you know bang out a coding exercise at home. So that's been another thing I've noticed that some of that has gone away in favor of pairing, which I think makes a ton of sense and has been received extremely favorably from all of the developers that we've been working with. Everyone seems to think that the best representation of their skills and what it's like to work with them and what it's like to work with your potential future teammate is just a much better way to go. I'm curious, you know, how have you seen the power dynamic shift between, you know, now the demand is for developers? Have you seen any decisions made by developers lately where they see an interview process and they say, absolutely not, I'm not going to do this. Like, this is not something I feel is right. Or are you seeing, you know, salary increases, benefit changes? I think we all understand that remote is probably the new standard, but I'm curious if you've seen any power shift. Yes. Yeah, a little bit. And a couple of things there. So one, developers do ask me more now than ever before what the interview process does look like for that reason. Companies more than ever before are being awesome about outlining their interview process publicly. And yes, they'll have like a dedicated web page or something within the job description, potentially where it's clearly outlined. In fact, one of your 
previous guests that you mentioned, who I also recruit for, Bold Penguin, they have one of the best, I think, their interview guide. I could definitely get behind and people should check out. But we've seen more and more of that. Developers love it. There's just no surprises. And you know it's very clean, concise. So for sure, yeah, we've seen a lot more of that. Do you know what I love? So we all know that we're, I'm based in Pennsylvania, but I work for a Colorado company. And part of the laws in Colorado is that you have to post the salary ranges on your job descriptions. And I love that to the point where when I need to get a reference on how much we're hiring for a position, I can literally go on our website and look at the salary range there. And there's an understanding that the candidate has also seen that salary range. Do you think we're going to see more and more of that? And how does that change things for developers when they actually get a real salary range up front? I think it changes a lot. It's something that I've always believed in. I think it just kind of goes back to the transparency thought where just getting all the facts and all the data up front is so helpful because no one wants to invest the time and then find out, oh gosh, they don't have the funding I thought they did, or they can't sort of match my current salary, or can I get a raise at this company? Salary is definitely not the end-all be-all. And I always have this discussion with folks and people are so great about it now. I, I feel like when I first started, it was people a little more discreet or close to the vest about salary discussions. People are so wide open about it. And I appreciate that. And oftentimes I'll help them with that and kind of go first and let them know the ranges we see. And it helps so much. I feel like companies are way more forthright about it now. We try to be air a little bit on the side of being conservative about it because I think it's easy to kind of overpromise like the high end of the salary range. But yeah, companies are being way more upfront about it. It's great. So are developers. I think everyone's kind of got to a point where let's just kind of lay the cards out there. And I always ask them, well, how important is it? You know, we don't want to forsake you landing your dream job because it might be, you know, 5K less than you're making now or something like that. Like you might be way happier making a salary that's slightly less because this is the company you want to work for. So we would never jeopardize that. But just knowing all of those things up front matter a lot. And we're seeing more of that too. You've actually touched upon a subject that I've always wanted to talk to you about, and that is like your salary history. So it sounds like you really shouldn't be that invested in your salary history, and rather you should be more concerned about your career having a cohesive strategy. So like a good example is you might be paid really well as an IC at a company, but maybe ultimately you want to be a manager or you want to be a sole founder. And so your next role might be a significant salary decrease. It sounds like you're saying that's okay. And if it gets you to a place that you're happy, that's what's more important. I don't like to see people go backwards, frankly, Mm -hmm. on salary. I really don't. Instinctively, no one wants to go backward on salary. So I will start by saying that. But the happiness level matters a lot. The salary is only one component of a job. You know, the people you work with, the mission of the company, the problems you're solving. There's so many other factors. So I do always ask where salary does rank. And I get all kinds of answers. Sometimes it's number one. Sometimes it's like number three or four can be pretty far down the list. By and large, being excited to get out of bed every day and get to work is what's most important. But you should be able to find that job and at least maintain the same salary or hopefully get a bump. But, you know, I had a client recently, they were awesome. In fact, I'm happy to name them called You Need a Budget. I don't know if some of the folks out there have heard of You Need a Budget, but they've been around a while. They had signed up with us recently to do a little recruiting. Amazing group of people, just awesome. And some of the engineers, as we were reaching out to folks about that job, any of the sort of personal finance aficionados out there who have used their product before or whatnot, they just loved it. It was almost like salary didn't matter. They, they just wanted to work for that company. It was like their dream job. 
So that can happen. And people were very open to saying, we'll take a look at the whole thing, like all the benefits. We want to look at the offer in its totality because the ability to work on a product like that, that affects people's lives so positively is something I want to be a part of. And in cases like that, it may make sense to just take a look at the whole thing. So it's a case by case basis, but your happiness level is, I think, the number one factor. You raise a really good point there in that it might be easier to recruit for companies where it's a consumer product where the developers might have used it themselves or a developer tool that they've used at work. Is that true? It makes a huge difference. That client in particular, you know, it was almost like rock star status. People would get back to us saying, I've used this for like the last five years. It changed my life. It erased a bunch of personal debt, that sort of thing. So yeah, if you're a company that is out there and developers are using your product, that's huge. And it honestly makes our job a little easier too. Because we do what we do on our end and then being able to promote that type of service or that type of product can really go a long way and and elicit some really positive reactions from engineers. That's awesome. Well, before we wrap up, I wanted to share a funny personal story. So, you know, during the pandemic, I decided that I was going to invest in a treadmill and I have loved this treadmill. I use it pretty hard, you know, (laughs) it's important, you know, to get your fitness in before you work from home all day. And unfortunately, my treadmill started to rock back and forth a little bit. And so I ultimately reached out to the treadmill company. They sent a technician. It turns out that I broke the welding, which makes me feel pretty strong, but I'm sure it was just shoddy welding. Well, I got an order confirmation yesterday. They're just shipping me a whole nother treadmill. Oh, good for you. (laughs) It's good and bad, though, Brian, because it is 260 pounds. And I'm going to have to get rid of the other treadmill. So, so for a moment there, I will have two treadmills. But I just thought it was a funny case of, you know, software as well, just sending me a random order confirmation for a new treadmill, no follow up, nothing. And so if I hadn't been paying attention, I just would have had this 260 pound beast show up my house. And yeah. So. Wow. Well, the only way to lift that 260 pounds is with mm-hmm. ambition. That's true. Uh, (laughs) Sums it up perfectly. (laughs) That's right. And you have it. We know that. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Brian, thank you so much for coming back. And, you know, so excited to have you in a regular rotation. Partnering with me replacement on the Ruby on Rails podcast is such an exciting endeavor. And so excited to hear from listeners about what they think. And of course, listeners, if you have any specific questions for Brian, we will put a link in the show notes so that we, we can gather those questions and make sure we address them. The feeling is mutual. We are so excited to support you and work together and just be a part of this podcast that I know so many of the folks that we work with and have known over the years listen to and enjoy. So anything we can do to help make it even bigger and better and do it alongside you for the Ruby community, we're happy to do. Wonderful. Talk soon. Awesome. You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening.